Compadres, welcome to Wait Long by the River. Let's not mess around. This is a great episode with a genuine, excellent person named Brooke Russell. We have several great episodes in the can, some ridiculously great artists lined up for future shows, and the Facebook page has never been hotter. We're posting songs from the artists, photos of the shows, links to other stuff that you'll dig, and of course the linchpin of the whole operation, live shows first Wednesday of every month at Some Velvet Morning in Clifton Hill. The rest of Brooke's set and a bunch of the other music we've recorded will go up on SoundCloud in a couple of weeks as a Christmas present for you all. Here's the show. show tonight, Brooke Russell of Brooke Russell and the Mean Reds. Good evening, folks. Hey, Brooke. Hi. How are you going? Yeah, very well. That's good. I just wanted to, I have this copy of MX up here because today I picked up an MX atypically and on the second page, friend of the show, ex-guest, Jess Kelly, streets ahead in curbing urban scrawl. So uh, she's got a gig with Footscray Library Forecourt putting up art all over the city. Amazing. This podcast is the golden touch, man. <laughs> you're, you're in for some... And Tom Davis, uh, who's another coming. friend of the show. Yeah, so, you know, you're in for a treat, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, we're all in for a treat. Thanks for coming and joining us. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's a great risk you take coming up here <laughs> because as a musician, you tend to get to write three-minute stretches of what you want to talk about and then just, like, chill. Yes, yes, this but is very unprepared and flying by the seat of our pants, I believe. Mm-hmm. We're going to so enter some dangerous territory tonight. Yes. Yep. Yep, um, sure. I'm open to anything. <laughs> oh, really? oh, the other fun thing in MX, which I wanted to ask you about, was my horoscope today was, like, podcast-related. Wait for it. I don't normally have props. Here we go. Virgo. Uh, expect some friction with an unpredictable conversation. Strive to be unusually diplomatic and choose your words wisely. Oh, my gosh. Spot on, right? That is pretty spot on, yeah. What are you, what's yours? Can I just... Yeah, I'm Aries. Aries? Oh, what does that mean about you? I'm not a horoscope kind of guy. Uh, apparently, I'm very stubborn. Mm. Yeah, so watch out. <laughs> a loved one or colleague may criticize your performance or your habits, <laughs> even publicly, but try not to be offended. Your motto, wow. for the, motto for the day, maintain your equilibrium, keep calm and carry on. Keep calm and carry on. I can do that. Yeah, so best of luck tonight. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so who else are you? Like, what, what would your dating profile have in it? If My you were dating profile? I know you're taken, but if you weren't. Uh, it would be... Um, other than stubborn. A whole lot of music. I'm, I've been trying to, to stretch that beyond recently to try mm-hmm. and go... I, started, I came to a realisation a couple of years ago that everything I do for work is music-related, plus everything I do socially is music-related. Plus, I realized I was reading things that were music related <laughs> and listening to music and watching documentaries. I was like, I've got to, I've got to stretch this out a little bit. So wow. I've been learning a little bit of French. I'm terrible cool. at it. But, uh, I've but got in a song? Is no, I'd love to learn it in song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've sung in Portuguese before, but I had no I- idea what I was talking about. Oh. So it'd probably be similar with French. <laughs> do you still have that song in your repertoire? That's awesome. Uh, no, I d- no, I don't. I could probably remember it. Some there's some of the words are still in there. Yeah. What's that French song that you learn when you're doing French? The Alouetta. Do you know that? Alouetta. Yeah. Do, do you guys know that song? There. Alouetta, gentil something, something. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. What's that about? <laughs> Is that? Oh, it's about plucking a bird? Oh, wow. That's kind of... That's, that's pretty like brutal. That's like finding out <laughs> Le Cucaracha is about a cockroach. It's just like, oh, really? The jaunty feathers on his head. The jaunty feathers wow. on his head. There you go. Yeah. 
Well, so you've got jaunty feathers in your head. How long have you been bright red? Ah, because that's ooh. a thing, right? That's a. I I've been bright red for for quite a while now. I was mm-hmm. I used to be red with with blonde bits and black bits and all sorts of stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm actually naturally blonde, <laughs> which is quite funny. Wow, but really? I have two redheads in my family, so I get called the fake redhead. But they're they're proper ginge. They're like they're serious real. ginge. Yep. Like really pale, can't go out in the sun. Yeah, kind of yep. S- super pale complexion. Or like you know, orange eyebrows and eyelashes. Definitely, my wow. dad and my sister. I yep. can't even imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> so did you take on red as like? Is this like an homage to the white stripes, that kind of thing? Like, do you dress all in red just to perform, or are you uh, in love with the color? I it's 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 come along by accident a little bit actually. I it's funny. My favorite color when I was little was red. But then when I kind of hit teenage years, I was like, I'm going to change. My favourite colour is blue now. And then I, um, yeah, the band, beca- my, my hair was red. The band became the Mean Reds. Um, and I started wearing a lot of red and I've just sort of fallen in love with it again. So maybe it's just a beautiful circle, the way it's <laughs> all happened. But yeah, red has definitely become a little bit of a code for, yeah. for everything now. Why is it Mean Red? Is that a thing, like, if you drink, is it like rum, where if you drink too much of it, you get churlish? Um, it's actually from uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Really? Yeah. So That's she great. she says in the in the movie, um, that he says, "Is it like having the blues?" And she said, "No, the the mean reds is much worse. That you you're frightened, but you don't know what, or you're afraid, but you don't know what you're afraid of." And that's wow. her kind of depression. She calls it the having the mean reds. No way. I thought it was an alcoholism <laughs> thing. That's great. <laughs> Might be quite relevant. You know. bit, of, bit of column A, bit of column B. Yeah, that's cool. Um, oh, wow. So did you hit on that moniker recently? Like, is that it since you got to Melbourne kind of uh, thing? It, it actually started in Perth. I d- my first EP that I brought out was, was called the Mean Reds EP. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I launched that EP, it was the band was Brooke Russell and the Mean Reds. Yeah. Um, but then I launched that and left Perth very quickly. So the mean re- Brooke Russell and the Mean Reds is definitely a, a Melbourne thing. How long ago was that? Uh, nearly three years. It'll be three years in January since I moved from Perth. Did and you yeah. celebrate somehow? I, sh- I probably should. I should have an anniversary. I, I think I had a little date with Melbourne on my first year anniversary. I just went wandering around the city and was like, you're great. Oh, that's really lovely. I like to think that Melbourne was saying back to me, no, you're great. But <laughs> well, has it been good to you that way? I mean, has it been saying you're great oh. by giving you gigs? And yeah, Melbourne's been amazing. It's, it's pretty much, um, it's been a bit of a reinvention actually, like mm-hmm. moving here and just having the chance to, to try some things that maybe I wouldn't have done in my hometown. Um, but in the music scene here is, is so supportive and welcoming and I really thought I was going to be like this tiny little fish in a very big pond in Melbourne and... I was very surprised when people were like, oh, you're playing a gig, I'll come. And then you go to their gigs, so you, they come to yours. And mm-hmm. it's, in, it's incredible. It's been a great two and a half years. And meeting the band was incredible. I've, I'm extremely lucky to have met those fellows. Um, yeah, so it's been beautiful. So what brought you over here? Were you fleeing like a dark past or something? <laughs> <Did you laughs> Maybe that's my deep, dark secret. <laughs> Feel free no, to share. There's, there's nothing like that dramatic. Here. There was no kind of like, um, you know, um, escaping parole or anything like that. But uh, mm-hmm. definitely just trying something new. I think I'd always felt like I wanted to live somewhere else. Uh, my plan when I was younger was to go and live in London, which I never did. Um, it's so really cold. It is cold. Mind you, so is Melbourne. But that's what everyone said when I moved to Melbourne. It's cold there. I'm like, I love the cold. I, I love it. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was definitely for music, and but also for the experience of living somewhere new, living in a bigger city. Perth is beautiful. Um, but it was definitely getting, I was getting to an age where 
if I if I wasn't about to move to the suburbs and have babies, all my other friends that hadn't done that were leaving. <laughs> it was yep. like everyone had moved to Melbourne or Berlin or New York or um, so it was definitely time to make a move. Wow, yeah, and good call. I mean, obviously you fit in like a charm. Oh, I've I've loved it here. Yeah. I've, I feel very lucky, but I feel very at home. It's mm. it's really lovely. It, within a year, I was I call Melbourne home now. So do you think that it's do you think Melbourne makes it possible for you to be living this life that's got music in your work and music in your social life and music in your like? Could you have done? Would you have ended up doing that anywhere? Um, I'm curious about that. Whether I would have, I think I, I came to Melbourne with a different um, attitude. Uh, so I think that's definitely helped me get where I am today. Um, but I think in terms of playing in Perth, I don't think there would have been as many opportunities for me to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I taught music, but there's definitely more of a culture here. And I think uh, there's definitely more of a culture to be a musician and not have your family going, yep. what are you doing with your life when you're getting a real job? Because your family's so far away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so they so just I just send them a video every now and then and they're like, oh, you're doing good things in Melbourne. Mm, that's great. <laughs> uh, so do you still teach kids? I do, yep. I still teach. I, I teach a little less than I used to mm. once upon a time, but I teach um, at a school in Northcote, which I love. Yeah, um, high school? Yeah. Does that yep. mean it's like end of year VCE exams? Yeah, I just had three out. VCE girls last Sunday morning. I had to be out at Ivanhoe Grammar at 9am to accompany three of my students, which was quite quite taxing i was nervous for them i was nervous for me because i didn't want to mis- make a mistake in their exam wait a company like you actually sit in there and play with them yeah yeah oh huge so pressure yeah you could ruin their life yeah i know right <laughs> yeah it felt like that and i but i did say to them afterwards i made a tiny mistake in all of your exams so don't think that i favor anyone in particular oh yeah very nice <laughs> and if they can't pick out what the tiny mistake was then you're going to fail them on exactly on yeah. yeah did you pick where i played that chord slightly wrong for a second oh. and then i fixed it well sorry did you, you get to see some of the other kids vce performances as well or no did you just drop in? it's all very private Cause Even I, remember, I remember when i did hsc in music everyone had the same song like everyone was playing um so you think you can tell heaven from hell <laughs> blue skies from rain whatever that is pink floyd song yeah yeah like eight kids out of ten in the class played that song as their their thing yeah um i wondered if there was a song like that that everyone's doing these no days. they get to choose their programs it's pretty amazing mm. uh year 11 is um they have to choose from different genres though which is a really challenging thing for some students i think to like if i had to sing an r&b tune a jazz tune a, a you know folk tune a soul tune it mm-hmm. that's quite challenging to try and nail all those different stylistic things so yeah my girls did very well i was very proud yeah wow so (laughs) do you i mean how do you feel about your breadth in that regard do you sort of fit neatly into a a genre somewhere or do you sort of spill over into a couple of different places i studied jazz so i definitely feel quite comfortable with jazz Mm -hmm. and a little bit of soul and stuff like that uh, and then the country thing is is definitely become my thing. Yeah. But I, I'm really lucky in the fact that I get a lot of st- um, students who are interested in songwriting or doing playing and singing, which is means that I'm very that's that's definitely my area. So I'm, I feel like I can really help them with that, hmm. and that's really fun. I love doing that. If I get a student who's interested in songwriting, I'm like, this isn't work. This is just this is great. I can't believe I get paid to do this. <laughs> oh, wow, so much fun. So yeah. was, there, was there a particular jazz like vocalist who drew you in and, and got you interested in that stuff? Are you like a Billie Holiday fan or something? Yeah, or? big fan of Billie Holiday. Yeah. I think I didn't grow up in a jazz house. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of house was it? Was it like, you know, mix FM kind of no, house? No, no. My, my, uh, my dad has incredible taste in music. I learned a lot from my, my father. 
Um, he was listening to. He used to listen to Two Double J before it was Triple J. Mm, now um, it's back. He must be ecstatic. Exactly. He's pretty happy. I, d- I don't know if he'd. He'd probably listen to Double J. I don't think he'd listen to Triple J anymore. Um, but he was. He was right into all that sort of stuff. He reads every music magazine. He collects. Um, so I grew up with a lot of Springsteen and Dylan and. Yep. Um, you must get on well with Rich Davies. Yes, I do get along Huge well with Huge Springsteen fan. We do geek. I think yeah. we might have sung some Bruce Springsteen in the park yesterday, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. There lovely. might have been some harmonies happening. Where were you? Like Edinburgh Gardens? Darling, Darling Gardens, Gardens, actually. Oh, local. It's right across from my yeah, house. Yeah, we went, a little, we went a little bit out of, you know, we were like, Eddie Gardens, or oh, let's try something new. Yeah. It was great. We had a banjo picnic. That mm. was very nice. That's a lot. How many banjos are we talking? We ended up with three banjos, which That's I okay. think is pretty good. It's close really. to big banjo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can only have so many in one place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was there was a, there was a whole picnic rug that sat away from the banjos. Mm-hmm. That was the non-banjo picnic, and we were the <laughs> banjo picnic. So. Can you play? Uh, I've learnt one song on the banjo. Uh huh. Yeah. You don't have a banjo here tonight, do you? No, I don't, and oh. I wouldn't even attempt to play it for you That's if I did. Shame. <laughs> That's right. I'll get it out of you sometime. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you, I don't know, do you feel like playing something for us? Just sure. Just to show yeah, us I what your thing is? For you. um, anything in particular? Do you take requests? Do you have something in mind? Ah, uh, if, if anybody has anything to request, I can, but I, I had something in mind. Oh, um, go with your heart. Uh, I was going to play this song, um, I figured it was kind of a good place to start. This was, I think this was the first song I played that I actually, or that I wrote that I actually kind of liked it. Um, writing for me was a pretty full-on process to begin with and I threw away a lot of stuff and I think this was the first song that I kind of went this is what I want to sound like Um, and it's a song about being afraid of falling in love after being on your own for a bit and it's called Cotton
Thank you very much. Oh, well, that is just lovely. <laughs> what a lovely track. Uh, two things in the lyrics of that leap out at me. Uh, I'll, I'll ask the ridiculous one first. When you talk about having a mouthful of cotton, mm -hmm. is that a drug reference? <laughs> it's not actually, no. It's okay. about just a bit of dry mouth. It's supposed to be a nervous reference. Yeah, cool. I, yeah. Well, I feel nervous when I've got cotton mouth as well, because <laughs> I think they're going to catch me. Does the shopkeep know? I don't know, man. Uh, do you, um, I mean, how do you feel about drugs and music? Do you think that, do, are you one of those people who's like in the Bill Hicks tradition of if you don't believe in drugs and take all your music out and burn it because they're uh. all on it? Or, or do you think that it gets in the way? Um, I've never been very productive mm -hmm. if I've taken drugs. So... Um, I, I do think that I agree with the inspiration, but I'm not, um, I've always been really curious about people that were like, just got really wasted all day and then wrote or, or drew or painted or mm. I, I just pretty much want to sit around and watch movies. So yep. <laughs> yeah, it's tough on the motivation. I always wonder about people like you, Kurt Cobain or Irvine Welsh or yeah. Chuck Palahniuk who've managed to imbibe enormous amounts of substances and then yeah. still produce stuff. I yeah, don't I do don't know how, I do believe in it for um, release because I think um, when you are, you know, a, a creative person or your job is 24 hours, it's really mm. important to have some time to really let go and I think that's probably a good way to do that. <laughs> do you feel like you're on all the time? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I find it really hard to, um, I find it really hard to give myself a break. Mm -hmm. uh, to say it's, it's okay, like everybody else has a day off. Um, I find it really interesting working in hospitality because I... Um, will be at the cafe and, and just watch people who just come in on a Sunday morning and have breakfast and read the paper and don't do anything for a couple of hours. And I'm like, that would drive me insane because I have a million things to do and I should be doing a million things. And even if I did that, I'd be, I'd be guilty. I'd be worrying the whole time. So the Catholic guilt? The Catholic guilt, mm. yes, yes. Me and my mother do talk about that a lot. Wow, really? <laughs> so did she come by that? Was she brought up in the faith? Yeah, and she was. Yeah, she was raised Catholic. She she mm -hmm. actually grew up in Reservoir. My mum, mm -hmm. um, and she was. Yeah, she was raised Catholic and and suffers. She's always told me that I have her Catholic guilt. Huh. That I, I don't give myself enough of a break. Um, but you don't get the Hail Marys to take up some time and, and let. Well, let yeah, or maybe some kind of you know um, release in that way. Perhaps mm -hmm. that's another way of releasing that guilt and that. Um, that worry is to put your faith in a higher power, perhaps. <laughs> is part of that non-stopness the fact that you're self-managed and that you run your own everything? Yeah, that's definitely, um, it's definitely a part of it. And I find that um, I, I do work a lot, and but I don't, I've taken a long, something I've tried to do over the last couple of years is to recognise that stuff in myself as real work. Mm -hmm. um, I think there isn't sort of an attitude towards music or, or the arts in general that we just do this for fun. Uh -huh. So it's not a real job. Um, and I think I definitely grew up with that kind of mentality. So if I've, you know, I've just recently gone back to, to working in a cafe and if I run around in a cafe all day and I'm completely exhausted at the end of it, I feel emotionally satisfied. <laughs> all right, <laughs> Which okay. is terrible. If I can't actually get up and walk <laughs> at the end of the day, that's a good thing. You feel like um, you've achieved something. I've achieved something. Yeah. I've earned my wage. Mm -hmm. um, so I find the the self-managed thing really hard because I put a lot of work and a lot of effort into what I do, but it still feels like it's um, maybe indulgent in some way, even though it's not. I have to get over that kind of 
that attitude. Yeah. Does it work the other way too, where when you're doing things recreationally, you're still thinking of them as as career progression? Like if yeah. you go to a gig, you're thinking, oh, I could write that song differently. Or yeah, or even um, you know, even uh, you think, oh, I'll just go down and and watch my friend's gig, and and there's people there that you know and you work mm. with, and and you're n- you're technically networking, and you don't want to think of it as I'm here to network. Mm. Watch out, everybody. Um, but you, 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 there is an element to that. That even when you're being just social, that's part of part of your job. It's part of who you present yourself as. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, you you have to be on a lot, um, which I love at the same time. But sometimes when you're tired, it's like it's a hard thing to let go of. Yeah. So I mean, do you find that you have anywhere in your life where you can escape that sort of creeping commodification of of your actions? Like, do you find there's somewhere where you just don't need to be impressing anyone or that you don't need to be thinking about work or, or are you still looking for that kind of space? Um, funnily enough, it's actually when I'm performing. Oh, yeah, great. Which is the time I should be seeking everyone's impression because that's what I'm supposed to be doing. But mm. I actually when I'm on stage and I'm singing, I've, I used to suffer from terrible performance anxiety um, and I've, I'm at a place in my life now where I've, I've started to deal with that and recover from that, which is mm-hmm. amazing because I've started to find this place where I completely lose myself and I'm I'm only that thing in that moment mm-hmm. and it's really great. It's How really bad did cool. it get? My did performance you, yeah, anxiety. Did you ever have to bail on a gig because you couldn't get up? No, I've never bailed on a gig. I have uh, contemplated turning around and driving in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I have definitely uh, forgotten words. Just my, fing- my hands have shaken so bad that I can't pluck strings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I suffered incredibly <laughs> badly from it. I did so much reading. I've I've done so many different meditation techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, Drunk so much liquor, presumably. Sorry. Everybody tries just drinking their way through that at some yeah, point, right? Yeah, drinking your way through it. Th- yep. But that's that's not good if you want to try and remember stuff, <laughs> have any kind of motor function by mm-hmm. the end of the gig. Um, yeah, so it's it. I don't know. Uh, there's something about what I've come to experience in Melbourne that's that's given me. Um, the ability to lose myself in the music. But I think that's the most important thing. If you're conscious through it, you're not going to be able to to get rid of it. So you have to sort of go to this other place. Um, I think my band have also had a lot to do with that. The, mm-hmm. the support I've felt from them being behind me um, has been incredible. And I've had such a good time with them on stage mm-hmm. that it's really beautiful. Yeah, how'd you go finding them? Because that can be a bit like trying to find a boyfriend or girlfriend or something, right? Well, like you can have yeah. awkward first starts and yeah. dates that go wrong. And, um, Funny you should say that. I always describe when I first m- met my guitarist like it was a blind date. Oh, someone said, you're going to love this guy. He's really We great. actually met on Mel Band. What's Mel Band? It's like a, it, it, when I first moved here, everyone was recommending Mel Band to me. You've got to try Mel Band. And I was like, wow, this is weird. Mel so Band. I put up a little ad on Mel Band and I'm like, hi, I'm looking for a band. Um, in Melbourne, yeah, a it's Mel a music band. forum, and uh, and Grant uh, replied to my ad and <laughs> sent I sent him some tracks, and mm-hmm. he said, "Cool, I really like the sound of it," and he sort of told me what he was looking for, and and then he came over to my house one night and then just like opened the door to this random stranger. Hi, come into my lounge room, let's play some music. Um, but I was so lucky with that experience because it could have been awful. <laughs> could have been, yeah. I mean, <laughs> could have been like there. a w- terrible blind date. But it was amazing. The minute we we, sta- we sat down for a while and we talked about albums and we both had a complete geek out over Gillian Welch. And, mm-hmm. um, and then we started playing some songs and I'd been playing on my own for, for quite a while. And 
just playing with somebody else and somebody else who really um, gave something to my sound was it was this beautiful moment of going oh that's right I love doing this this is amazing and so Grant's been a part of the band ever since but all of these guys have just been like the perfect piece of the puzzle as they've joined the band which I was really aware of I was like if you get the wrong person in this could mess up this whole dynamic but each one has have just they all get along so well and they talk about the same records and yeah it's a big love fest yeah uh so nashville i'd love to hear about that i mean you got invited to play americana fest yes yes which is a big deal yeah it was a it was a, um an incredible surprise actually i i was applying for the nashville songwriters residency that they run every year with the australia council mm -hmm. we get to go and live in nashville for 3 months paid for by the government and you make a record while you're there. Wow. Um, so in the process of applying for that, I was kind of looking at things that were happening in Nashville, things that I could put in my application. And one of the things I did was apply for this festival because I knew that it was happening at the time and I knew some Australians that had played at it last year. And uh, then I didn't get the grant, so I didn't think anything more of it. And then uh, I had this email from Dobe at Sounds Australia just saying, congratulations on your showcase. And I thought he was talking rubbish and I was like oh well I'm not in Nashville so it doesn't really matter and then it just sort of started to sink in that hang on I might have to find money to get to Nashville because I think we just got a showcase at this festival so wow. yeah it was pretty incredible we were one of five Australian bands to showcase and then there were about 25 30 other acts that came over to play with Sounds Australia um so I have no idea who, who liked me on that panel, but I need to give them a big kiss because it was... You didn't hunt them out while you were there? No, you didn't find no, I didn't, didn't find them there. didn't come to you and there. say, you know what, I, yeah, I was instrumental you're here in your because success. of me, so yeah. yeah, where's my kiss? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, so they're humble as well, because like, if I was in that situation, that would be the first thing I'd do. when <laughs> they, As soon as they go off the plane, I'd be like, hey, I don't want to brag or anything, but if it wasn't for me, you'd still be in your dingy flat on the other side of the world. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Get on your knees and thank me, yeah. 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 Oh, no, that sounded terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a drug reference? <laughs> <laughs> it's right. We put ex we have to put explicit on the podcast because you can oh. either have because it's because America uh, iTunes is American. Yeah. Like even dang or like G whiz. It's like yeah. it's either explicit or not. So look, okay. go for it. There's no. There's no that was one thing about playing in America, and that uh, we had to keep reminding a, a friend of ours to just you can't talk, you can't swear. You know, like, you probably can, but you just don't know who's going to be offended by it. Well, which means if someone's offended, then it's going to be a bigger deal. Yeah, because the there's guns. So, oh, yeah, you know, that's a little, yeah. Um, yeah. But then I realised I was playing, I'd, I'd got to do the Music City Roots show on my last night there, which was, um, it's like a live streaming radio show thing. And they, they do, do an Australian... Yeah, yeah. It's so cool. You don't yeah. get to do that here in Australia. <laughs> Nearly it ever. was pretty crazy. And I got to meet Jim Lauderdale, who, and I, I accidentally walked in on him in his boxer shorts, which was pretty funny. Mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a way to get to know somebody immediately, I guess. But um, as I was on stage, I'm, I'm realising that I'm singing songs about... I will first start the line in Cotton where I say I was never raised religious. So I'm like, okay, you're talking about religion. Mm -hmm. Not good. I've got a song called Goddamn Gone. <laughs> That's religion again. Oh, dear. I was in serious trouble. I don't have any swearing in my songs, I don't think. Apart oh, that from goddamn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so nobody came up to you after a show and said, <coughs> I didn't like what you said about yeah. X, Y, Z. I didn't have that they wouldn't have used experience algebra. where yeah. <laughs> I got cornered out by the show. Yeah. Wow. So how did you end up on TV? Is that part of America, Americana Fest? That was, yeah, it's, it's actually part of Music City Roots. So um, they're, they're amazing. Check them out on YouTube. It's such mm -hmm. a good show. And they've just moved to this beautiful 
factory in Franklin, um, which is about half hour out of like Nashville downtown. And uh, they have all sorts of guests. They do weekly shows out there and they have mm -hmm. four artists perform and Jim Lauderdale hosts it. So it's a regular ongoing thing. But um, Dove Newton from Sounds Australia has been establishing some great relationships for Australian artists in Nashville. Yeah. And that's part of the thing that they're doing now is just after Americana Fest, they have an Australian special where they have all Australian acts for a night. So cool. Yeah, I was lucky enough to be picked. So it was me and uh, Kevin Bennett and the May Trio from Melbourne and then um, a group called Falls who are living in LA at the moment, recording in Nebraska and they were really beautiful. They had a string quartet, which I thought was cheating. Whoa. <laughs> I think I heard a gentle woo from the audience when you said <coughs> falls. There's a band, so they're, there you go. They're slightly, <laughs> slightly popular. That's good news. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you reckon that's a gap in the Australian landscape? Do you reckon someone should be making a TV show like that? Oh, definitely. I think so. Like it, um, You'd need a handsome host. That'd be really host. cool. You need someone with real panache and charisma yeah. who dresses well. Yeah, and yeah. has an amazing blue jacket. That's right. Like blue jacket would help. Before. That's a TV yeah. thing. Yeah, cool. Uh, then all you need is people with money and cameras and a setup and yeah. somewhere to put it. Yeah, and an, yeah. And an amazing audience. And yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a shame about Channel 31 getting shut down. I guess you're not yeah. from Melbourne, so you wouldn't have grown up on that. Well, we had Channel 31 in Perth as well. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. And we it's missed the same that channel name, which is, which is kind of weird. But yeah, we definitely had that. Yeah. yeah. Why do you reckon that Americana is having such a or country and what are the other ways that you can describe it because you don't often hear people say the word Americana but then all the festivals and all the yeah. sort of broader names are called Americana there was actually like there was a few bands that were a bit up in arms about the title Americana because mm -hmm, they're Australian at the festival no actually oh. American bands like there was one band I saw who got up and went yeah cool we're at Americana Fest I don't even know what Americana is but thanks for having us mm -hmm. <laughs> I What's thought that was a little bit rude. But <laughs> well, it's funny because a, a lot of the great Americana artists, you don't have to go far in their catalogue to find something that sounds totally un-American. Yeah. Un-American. Yeah. As in, like, Mexican-sounding or Puerto Rican or, yeah. like, African stuff. Or I mean, like, Ray Kuda can't keep it together for even one album, <laughs> from several. And he's one of the absolute... He's just trying everything. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, what's more American than the blues? But you don't... Blues doesn't really fall under Americana. Yeah, Americana's a strange... I, I think it's sort of... Um, I think country in America means a very different thing. So mm -hmm. I know um, Josh, my drummer, who has spent a bit of time with there, he's spent a lot of time in Nashville and he was like, don't describe us as country because if you say that in Nashville, that means, um, you know, Blake Shelton and Ashley Monroe and Keith Urban. It means that real pop country stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think Americana is kind of a way of people... Um, I think it implies it's got a bit more of a vintage thing to it. So it seems to sort of, it seems to sort of have swing, um, bluegrass, you know, old country, um, any kind of old timey American music. Which I think you know there was some a few sort of bluesy people at the festival, mm -hmm. um, but it's still a weird banner. I, I think it doesn't. I think it's one of those broad genres like alternative. <laughs> it's yeah. Like well, there is it's old just, country as it's well. It's just so different. It yeah. yeah. So it's it's very strange. So I think. Um, I kind of like it because I think it implies this vintage thing which sort of fits perfectly for my stuff because mm -hmm. I've always felt like I'm a little bit country, a little bit swing, a little bit, you know, all of those little mm -hmm. bits and pieces. Um, what decade do you belong in? Ooh. If you had to, if, if we were going to transplant you. Oh, that's a good question. Because you don't want to go back too far because you lose the vote. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. No, yeah. I don't want to go back too far. Uh -uh. I'd probably say 50s, I reckon. Yeah. I reckon anywhere around that, yeah, 50s mm. kind of era. Maybe 60s. 
But yeah, around the 50s, I reckon. 60s is would be slightly easier to avoid the gravitational pull of the white picket fence <laughs> and life in the suburbs. Yeah. I mean, you escaped exactly. it here as well, so yeah. obviously got it in you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any really old timey songs? Do you have any like sort of? Do you know? Like, do you know Broads? Of course, you know yes, Broads. Yes. Yes, yeah. I love Broads. I mean, do you go back that far to that Ink Spots? Um, Brothers kind I of do uh, probably yes. a little bit more with with the Shotgun Wedding. Um, oh, we other acts. Yeah, so we we do a lot of that stuff. So we mm. do a lot of old, um, like Carter filming. We do a lot of Gillian Welch and things as well. But mm. we do explore a lot of older country repertoire. It's all covers, but um, we really enjoy experimenting with those kind of things and all putting lots of harmonies on it. And mm. But it's really great research as well for what we're all interested in playing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I I would say with my stuff there is there is some things that kind of really sound like a certain era mm -hmm. um but not all of it it's it's a little bit mishmashy so yeah speaking of mishmashing when you go to write it do you do you find that you learn a particular song or a couple of songs from that era and then you think oh i could put a twist on this or do you feel like it comes from a blank slate um i feel like i it's it's probably not a conscious decision to put stuff in there from from other songs but i know that it's it's in there somewhere. I've noticed that um, whatever I'm listening to a lot of starts to seep through in my writing. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just what I start to hear. You know, you start to hear a certain chord progression or a certain sound. So when you're sitting down to write, those things, you know, accidentally... Pl there's times I've actually gone, that sounds way too much like that record you're listening to at the moment. Mm -hmm. Maybe just, you just know... Mix it up a little. Yeah, try yeah. something a little different in there or... or you know, put a different chorus in or something. Um, I c I'm pretty heavily influenced by what I'm listening to. So. Yeah. So what's on the what's in the speakers right now? Ooh, well, I've been listening to a lot of Townsend Zant at the moment. Fantastic. Um, I got a, the great live double album on vinyl when I was in the states, so that's been on rotation in the office. And then, uh, and then a lot of different songwriters. I really love. Um, the new Jason Isbell record I really love. There's the yeah, thank you. Gentle <laughs> woo in the back of the audience. Little woo. Yep. There's um there's elements of that that are um like not my style of songwriting, but mm. then there's a couple of like couple of songs that just absolutely kill me. Um, and I'm really interested in that those crossovers of genres in in country music even. Um, another songwriter I've been listening to a lot of is Zoe Muth who I got to mm. meet in Nashville. I was really excited. <laughs> I was a bit of a fangirl. I was mm -hmm. like, hi. And was and it then a meet uh, your idols kind of thing <coughs> where you met her and you were like... Uh, yeah, and it was sort of like, are you around tomorrow? Because I'm playing. And she's like, oh, we're leaving town. Okay. Such a handy um, excuse when you're a, like an American musician and I you know. have a genuine career. You can I just know. be like, if you want to hang out, you can. Otherwise, you can be like, I'm rolling out of town. Yeah, sorry. We're <laughs> hitching the wagon and we're... Mm -hmm. um, but then I got a friend request from her on Facebook Ooh, when yeah. I was at Auckland Airport on my way home. And I opened up my Facebook and I said, oh, friend request. And Josh was like, it's probably some new American friend of yours. Mm -hmm. And it was Zoe Muth and I was very happy. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so she might be coming to Melbourne <laughs> very soon. So you guys will all have to come and see her because she's incredible. Yeah, definitely. Mm. I had the same thing. I played a gig with somebody and um, afterwards... They disappeared. Sal Kimber. I don't know if you know Sal Kimber. Yeah, Rolling Sal Wheel. was in Nashville, actually. Oh, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I played a gig with her, and then uh, I was like, wow, that went really well. How good was that? I can't wait to hang out with Sal. And I got off stage, and she and the rest of the band had already vanished into smoke. <laughs> and I was like, oh. 
oh, well, it was nice while it lasted. And then got back to society and there it was, like friend requests. I was like, yes. It's like the ultimate validation. It kind of is, which is is. sad. Like Facebook really has managed to weasel into... Well, because she didn't talk to you, but she friend requested you. Well, she had to run, as it turns (laughs) out. I'm not trying to lessen the friend request at all. (laughs) I'm not trying to take it away, but it's so much easier to just... We'll do it on Facebook. Mm. I do find that I get a lot of friend requests from people I don't know at the moment. Oh, yeah. And I How think it's the that? suggested yeah, friends thing. Well, I used to have a rule where it was like, I'd, if I haven't met you face to face, because that was a rule for myself not to just randomly friend request people that I ad- admire because mm-hmm. they pop up in my suggested friends. Yeah. And my suggested friends at the moment seems to be full of like all the people I really want to be friends with. <laughs> that started happening <laughs> since I, I moved them. to Melbourne too. Like, yeah, like you get a cu- really I have a couple scary. of comedian friends and suddenly people commenting on their things. I'm like, wow, you're like... Yeah. Your friends who are making fun of you in badly spelled crappy Facebook English are like big deal comedians. <laughs> it would be, it's so easy to just click and get yeah, to their like photos. Yeah, it's like two degrees of, of separation. And, yeah, and, it's like, and yeah. you're like, we've got like 38 mutual friends. Yeah, like, we right, must, come on. You won't mind one more, will you, buddy? <laughs> yeah. But it's then it's hard when you're promoting y- your music through your Facebook too. So you think, well, do I just accept a lot of friends and mm-hmm. then at least they know about my gigs? But I do find it really uncomfortable when you talk to somebody and they're like we're facebook friends and you're like it's really nice to meet you oh awkward yeah well it's it's better than in-person friends and then you introduce yourself i do that all the time because i'm a jerk (laughs) but it happens a lot um yeah a guy that was really influential on me when i first started touring vaughn Doulette, who's a guy at adelaide and doesn't play around much but is a ridiculously great songwriter (coughs) he he gets he gets around entirely on house concerts he doesn't play venues anymore he doesn't play with a Mm -hmm. microphone that kind of thing and so all of his networking was being done on social media and everyone he met was a friend of his on facebook and he was very adamant that you didn't have a music page and a personal page you just it was you were you and your music was you and so you you know everyone you met was on facebook but then it was weird because every time he wrote anything on facebook to anybody he just had 40 comments from sort of fanboy, fanboy-girl-esque. Yeah. People being like, yeah. oh my god, Vaughn, I find that hilarious too. When are you next going to be in Albury Wodonga? It's like having a bit of your life missing. It's yeah, like you couldn't yeah. message your parents without somebody popping in and being like, oh, my mum's always saying that shit too. And it's like, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, and so yeah. look, I haven't seen much room on Facebook recently, so maybe yeah, it didn't yeah. work out fine. It's a, it is a weird thing. I've got a friend on, um, on Instagram and she's, she's an actress. She's appeared in a couple of shows and I just... Every time she posts something on Instagram, there's somebody who's like, please follow me. I love oh. you. Please follow me. And you're like, oh, what is going on? This is really strange. It's even worse on Twitter because <laughs> you get, like, you're much more public there. I was reading through somebody's, like, relatively famous thing who's a friend of mine, and she's had a bit of success lately. And there were two people who'd just written on her thing, you know, at, friendly person, please notice me. <laughs> <laughs> With no, no anything. Like, please, and, um, um, Please retweet this, please. Yeah. It's like, retweet what? Just your request to retweet this, please. <laughs> it's not a thing. It's not a... You're not getting anything it's out little, of them. It's a little sad. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's awkward. Yeah. yeah. If you ever want to feel really bad about humanity, go through Russell Crowe's Twitter feed. <laughs> because, A, he makes you feel bad about your fitness regime because he's always, like, just did 30 reps and 10Ks before my lo- next show or, like, did 120 bell presses today, so feeling good. But then it's always like, oh, Russell, me too. I did 120 bell presses. Please retweet this. Like, uh, but 10,000 times. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Makes you feel bad just about humanity. exhausting. Right? Yeah. 
That's yeah. why people get other people to do their social media when they get that big. Do you have any kind of team helping you out with your stuff? No. <laughs> You're all on your own? <laughs> it's just me. <sighs> which is why sometimes you'll see music-related stuff. Other times it's just pictures of my boots or, mm-hmm. you know, like, here's my friend. That's, <laughs> That's the new thing, though. Michael Danby and P was just went through and posted a whole bunch of cat <coughs> photos and everyone thought that his Twitter thing had been hacked. Yeah. And he was like, his staffers wrote a thing saying... Um, Michael's feed not hacked. Just wanted to share some cat photos he really liked this week. This <laughs> <laughs> is great. You know, it's hilarious. That gives you a little bit of yeah. insight into what's going on in their head. Mainly cat photos. Mainly cat. Like cats on the internet are nuts. Natural animal of the internet. Yeah, my um, my dear friend Aileen O'Hanlon, who's um, a beautiful musician, she put up a, a video. She's got the cutest cat called George, and she put up a video of. She'd actually just posted it for her boyfriend because he was at work and. She was like, he's going to love this. And she, George always sits like on her guitar or around her neck while she's trying to practice. I've seen this video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone has seen this video. He just <laughs> crawls all around her head and she just sits and, sit and plays a whole tune. And he's, he's got a, um, you know, his paws in the sound hole while yep. she's playing. And she and insists on going through it. It's quite a somber song. She's sort of like slightly smiling the whole time, but she just carries on. It's gone viral. It's a beautiful she's video. She's got people writing to her from Brazil. <laughs> when is your single coming out? I'm like, oh. All I needed was a cat. This is incredible. This is the best. Obviously, yeah, it's incredible. Okay, so picture yourself in that situation. Do you play it cool and just release another, just every like a song, just a song song? Or do you come out with like a cat-related song? Or do I maybe get like a lizard or something? Two cats. (laughs) Two cats. (laughs) Just... You get two cats, yeah. Yeah, because by the fifth video, everyone's going to be like... three, and then... (laughs) Yeah, once you get to, like, ten cats, it's really going to get crazy. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. Yeah. (laughs) It'll become such a watchword for successful career that people will be rating other people on that. They'll be like, Taylor Swift, yeah, she's, she's like, a 20-cat career at this point. (laughs) Like, just really, really big. They have to tape them onto her while she's playing. (laughs) Yeah, they look really confused and sad. Yeah. You feel like self-managing and trying to make all that stuff work day-to-day, mm. do you feel like there's some compromises you have to make in your day-to-day life? Um, yeah, I think, um, I think I think you have to be extremely disciplined, which I'm not very good at being, mm-hmm. uh, but I give it a shot. In I what way, like um, you can't help binge-watching TV or like you just... Your emails back up, or I think make me feel better about myself. Anybody who's <laughs> yeah, anybody who's well, you know working for themselves, you've got to try and find a way of dedicating yourself to it. Um, something I've just done recently is is rented a little space where I can go and work, oh, cool, which like I'm really loving. Like a work share place. Yeah, yeah, like a little office, um, and I I really enjoy that because mm-hmm. it's just a space where I get to it and it's like cool. Well, you're here now, so get all these things done and then you can go home. Nice. Um, rather than being at home and thinking, oh, well then I might just quickly do the washing and maybe I'll call this person or go get a coffee. And it helps me get in a workspace. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it expensive? Do you want to give them a plug? Are they good? It, yeah, it's, well, it's the Avery Recording Studio Creative Hub. <gasps> so Fraser's just taken over the bottom floor of the Avery. Fraser A. Gorman? Yep. No, Fraser Montgomery. Cool, good name. And there, it is a good name, isn't it? And there is, uh, there is definitely creative space for rent in the, in the rest of the, the place. There's, we've uh, got a little office down the back, so and there's a couple of recording studios, and we're actually going to be recording our new album in there, which is very exciting. Oh, so handy. You get yeah. to sit there and dream about what's happening in the next room. Yeah, I'm just yep. going to pretty much live there for the next six months. It's going to be wow. crazy. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really great to have that dedicated space to go to. 
um, and my to-do list is on my little whiteboard oh, that I bought and all that nice. kind of stuff. I'm a bit of an over-administrator. Um, I love to make sure everything's really neat, which is basically a way of procrastinating from doing the actual work. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the other hard thing I find is, like, um, everything that I'm doing for the band and, and you know, um, the nights I run and other things that I'm working on is no, none of that makes any money. So uh, then it's then it's you know trying to teach and, and work hospitality shifts and pay for all these things and mm-hmm. um, you know I'm not meaning that to whinge at all but it's just that's part of the, the juggling act of trying to get this this sort of work done is um, yeah it's really in your spare time mm-hmm. which means that you don't have a lot of spare time so that yeah that does mean a little bit of sacrifice I think but I you know I wouldn't do anything else <laughs> well that's a good attitude. Yeah, I love it so much and I'd much rather be sitting at my desk not getting paid and working on band things than um, working in a cafe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm really curious on that topic about your crowdfunding because I've never mm. done that, mm-hmm. which which I think is sort of slowly making, like I feel like I'm the odd one out rather than, <laughs> like I feel like there's a lot around. It, has anybody in this room been involved in a crowdfunding thing? One hand out of 1,000 1,500 people. That's not very many. Um, is, for, is the, for those at home. Is yeah. that as in pledging? or? Oh, how many people have pledged? pledged to a crowdfunding type thing? Ah, that's uh, So that's like 1,200, 1,300 hands. That's really <laughs> good. Um, yeah, so is it is it time consuming? Is it difficult? Like, is it just the setup that's hard? Or is it managing the whole thing? How do people respond? Um, I think... Uh, I think I could have done more work on my campaigns, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, both of my campaigns have been successful. Um, but Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, if you want to really, really push for some uh, crowdfunding, that mm-hmm. you can put a lot more time and effort into it in terms of following up with people and posting little videos and updates and things like that. I didn't do enough of that. Um, but the setup time is pretty on and and just nerve-wracking I think because you're sort of <laughs> thinking what do people want is this am I asking for too little am I asking for too much mm-hmm. um, I think the last one that we did which was for the Nashville trip was a little easier because it was like oh my god we've just got this opportunity and we're going in two months and we can't afford airfare like just help yeah. <laughs> there's a great narrative there people feel like they're committing to something that's that's immediate and otherwise yeah. you won't get to do it whereas if it's and say a recording it was such an a album huge opportunity and people could could recognize that and i know that um I'd, i the only reason i even did that was i know that mustard courage did the same thing last year and their mm-hmm. campaign was so successful and and i really like as soon as i saw their campaign i jumped straight on board because i was like this is an amazing opportunity for them we have to get them there it's 25 bucks and i get a hoodie that's amazing um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, like so the, the prizes thing. I'm really all for crowdfunding. I think it's um, I think it's still got a little bit of a stigma around it, um, and I think a lot of people, maybe outside of the creative community, don't understand what it is. So, did you run into a bit of that? Did people give you a hard time? No, no, I haven't. I've had a few people say they disagree with it, but um, I'm like, look, that's fine. I don't do one then. That's yeah, cool, cool with me. <laughs> but. Yep. Uh, in terms of just, I think, I, f- I sort of feel like at the moment, crowdfunding is all of us supporting each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like I gave $20 to somebody's campaign and they gave $20 to mine. Mm-hmm. Whereas it would be really great for us to get out in the broader community. Um, I had somebody, uh, the guy who produced, uh, engineered and produced our album, 
um, I was talking to him about the one we did for the album and I was unsure whether I wanted to do it. And something he said to me was that the, you know, the broader community that aren't involved in the arts, this is their, um, their recreation, their entertainment. And they actually really would love to be a part of it. Like it's a world that they don't get to be a part of, whereas we get to do this all the time. So we get to hang out with great musicians and artists and be part of this wonderful community. They're kind of on the outside of that. And there's a lot of people that would be very willing to be a part of it, to feel like they had something to do with the making of that album. They had a little piece of it, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's about being able to involve people from a broader sense. And I just really loved the way he described that. It made me feel less like I was you know, asking for money and more like I was just pre-selling my album but letting people feel like they were, you know, a part of it, that it was a team effort. And I think if we can get that happening on a broader sense, I think once it becomes a little bit more popular and it's happening more often, um, I, I, we, we need something to help us get through, you know, the next 20 years of whatever is going to happen with the music industry because it's, you know, we're not getting money to make albums anymore. So mm -hmm. if we can, we can help each other out in this way, I think it, it could be a real direction. Did that sort of influence uh, how you set up the, the rewards? Like, did you offer rewards that let people interact or to be there with you or to um, I did. We, we have offered, uh, like, house concerts and things like mm -hmm. that. I know a friend did a dinner, like, with the whole band. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's cool. And then I think the rest of the band were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. There's an American comedian who recently... Oh, an Australian comedian trying to get to America who did a thing where he said, I'll... I'll do your dishes and then I'll do a set afterwards <laughs> and I'll do it based on what I had to clean up. Oh my god! And gosh. it was going to be like a half hour set in the living room based on this stuff. And he said what he didn't count on was that as soon as they had a winning bid, they just started stockpiling. They just left oh, as much stuff as they could. No. So he got in there and he was like, oh, I should have known this would happen. <laughs> oh, I'm going to need an hour or so. And then, you know, after he dug at it for five or ten minutes and was already cracking jokes, they were all standing there anyway and they were like, we can camel this way. And so they all pitched in together and all did the dishes at the same time and it was this really nice thing. And like, yeah, and they did the set and went down well. Yada, yeah. yada. So, you know. It was mostly about mould, I'm presuming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I imagine they just threw most of it straight in the bin. Yeah. That's how I do my dishes. When I don't have a dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, you seem really like you seem like you have your hand on your guitar, like you're poised to play. Is that just because it feels comfortable? Or is that because you feel like you want to play? It just feels comfortable. I'm always oh, cool. happier with a guitar in my hand. Yeah, really? Do you yeah. feel like it, it do you feel like you're a different person on stage or a bit more confident or do you feel like you I feel like it's protection. Oh yeah, it's like guarding it me from on, everybody. Yeah, first um first year I did <laughs> it was not on. It's not on. Oh my gosh! Just to take us back to the nineties for a second, I was just reminiscing about that slogan today. I was like, what did I really dig when I was fifteen? And I was running through all these old jokes from when I was really young. I was like, that's the one that really is still funny. Like what not a slogan! On. Imagine coming on. up with that. Amazing. It's, it's genius. Yeah, somebody yeah. must know the guy who came up with that old yeah. girl or yeah. team. <laughs> They'd be very proud of themselves. A whole team of people. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, my first year doing uh, a jazz degree as jazz vocalist and I had to perform without my guitar and oh I God. did not know what to do with my hands. There's video of me performing in first year and I look, I don't know, I look like a statue. I'm the most boring singer in the world because I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> so so what, what words would you use for your hands in that situation? Rigid? Flappy? 
rigid. Shaky. Everything was like, I'm going to hold this microphone and I'm not going to do anything with the rest of my body. Mm -hmm. Not even my eyes. Really? There's going to be void. There's going to be noise coming out, but I pretty much got my eyes closed and I look petrified. Oh, man, turn it's your weaknesses terrible. into your strengths. Paint yeah. your whole body white from top to bottom <laughs> and make it your thing. And then in between songs, just like make a lunge towards the judges and they'll go, <laughs> Yeah. Wow, she's really interesting. Yeah. You're really owning that, that thing. Your whole band could be doing it. It'd be, yeah. it'd be dreadfully boring. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're coming close to the end of our hour, unfortunately, already. Um, so if there's anybody in the audience who's got like any burning questions inside and they feel like yelling them out, this next 10 minutes is your chance to, to take part. Um, I'm really curious about your other shows that you put on. Because I know you run Some Velvet Bells here. Yes. Which is an all-ladies music night. Yes, it is. Yep, all-female singer-songwriters. Now, is that just because you love how ladies sound, or is that because you feel like women are sort of underrepresented? Um, is there a political angle? That's a good question, actually, because I was... Um, I am often a little hesitant about the idea of making it just a lady singer-songwriter night, because then it kind of separates women and makes it a separate thing. Um, but at the same time, I think it's a really lovely way of showcasing particularly female singer-songwriters. Mm -hmm. um, I think this town has so many of them. It's quite overwhelming. Um, and I think it's a way of, you know, um, bringing those people together as well, which is why I wanted to do it. it for me personally as well, I, d I wanted to meet as many totally great female <laughs> singer-songwriters as I could. Um, and I've, you know, we've had some beautiful, beautiful songs and beautiful ladies playing here. So, <coughs> yeah, I don't necessarily believe in excluding men from that situation. But I think it, it's definitely important to, um, to showcase female songwriters. Well, for example, men would be fools not to turn up and see it. Oh, it's yeah. obviously an awesome gig. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And a bunch of ladies doing their thing. It's, it's pretty spectacular. Yeah. And we've had a lot of different, different styles. We've had ladies on the piano and... Um, we've had duos. We're going to have maybe a duo special in January. We're also thinking about doing some Velvet Jingle Bells. Oh, great. On Christmas Eve, which um, was funny because it had been suggested to me and then Jeremy actually suggested it from the bar and then somebody else had mentioned it like, you know, Jingle Bells, that could really work. And mm -hmm. So if anyone's around on Christmas Eve, we'll be here. So there's, there's going to be about ten of us, I think. I've, d I've put a bit of a call out to a bunch of ladies and said, who's going to be in town who doesn't have family commitments? And so I think there'll be about ten of us. So it'll probably start, we, I'm thinking we might do some covers of great Christmas songs. Um, my personal favourite is A Christmas Card from A Hooker in Minneapolis by Tom Waits, which I play at every Christmas now. <laughs> and, uh, and then I think we'll just sit around the piano and have a little bit of a sing-along. So. This is fantastic. Yeah, it should be pretty fun. Oh, man, I'm going to be out of town. <sighs> you should record it and release it as a... Oh, we should do that. How could yeah, that yeah. Or well, let's just have most some of the jingle bells every month. Or we'll just <laughs> good idea. I guess most of those songs are public domain as well. Like they're all written yeah. in the sixteen hundreds or whatever. Exactly. So you're only yeah. stealing from God. He doesn't care. Yeah. Or Tom yeah. Waits. We might have to ask Tom Waits. Yeah, Tom Waits is right. more of a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a cool guy though. Yeah, everybody yeah. covers Tom Waits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I'm. Oh, I'm really jealous. I mean, I have a gig here right in the middle of December, so I might have yeah. to like wheel out some. Some Christmas carols. Yeah, definitely. I never liked them growing up, and now I'm coming around. Oh, I love them a little bit. Really? Yeah, th just this time where th they start to just sort of seep in. 
Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, how beautiful is Silent Night? It's just gorgeous. And then by Christmas Eve, you're like, I hate Silent Night. I never <laughs> want to hear it again. Make it stop. And it's but a crazy-ass change as well ah, as a songwriter. I mean, yeah. it, it just smooths along really nice and lovely, and then suddenly it's like, fall yeah. on your knees. <laughs> it's like, what? Where did that come from? Incredible. Yeah. And my favourite of all time is the Phil Spector Christmas album. I That's haven't a bit of a staple oh my in my house. Oh, you've got to get on that. It's incredible. Pre or post prison era? Uh, it's pre. It's well pre. <laughs> okay, good. It's um, yeah, it's incredible. It's all mono sound. And yep, very very cool. Wow. There's a bit of Frosty the Snowman. Yeah, it's all. Hmm. <laughs> um, cool. Well, uh, do you feel like playing some some music after? Sure. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you're feeling it now or if you want to keep talking do you have something else that's on your mind no, do you feel like there's not something that you didn't get to that you really wish no. do you want to plug your radio show oh well, uh, probably not really i'm doing my first graveyard shift on triple r uh monday the 17th big step how long did that take from doing the course to 18 months that's so amazing. i can't actually remember how to do anything so i'm going to go in and practice i promise yeah. Um, I'm also going to figure out how I can stay awake, how much coffee it's going to take me to stay awake from 2am till 6am. Um, and I don't expect anybody to do that, but you can stream it later on if you want to hear. I'm just going to, I think I'm just going to play all my friends yeah. all night. If you need a 4am <laughs> guest local star, music. I'm happy to ride out there. And <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone wants to drop in and have a chat yeah. to me on the radio, that'd be great. Actually, I don't think we're allowed to do that on the graveyard. Oh, really? No. Because it's a bit too, like, anybody could be dropping in. Yeah, yeah I think there's I a bit of a security sleep. thing. They don't want you to let anyone in. Um, but yeah, that'll be really fun. So I'm really excited about that. That's really cool. It has been a while since I've practiced though, so it could be could be a bit different. <laughs> um, cool. Do you want to do one more and then I'll get out of your way and you can have the stage for yourself? Sure. Cool. Um, Is it going to be Tom Waits' Christmas song? No. I could play another Tom Waits tune though. Typical Tom Waits audience, actually. Beautiful podcast, and I can edit out as much tuning time as I want. I love that. Yeah. The people in podcast nothing worse than taking too long to tune. Yeah. They're going to hear my Tom Waits gag, and then you start playing immediately. It's going to be amazing. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, So I learned this song a little while ago. I actually heard this song. I'm, I'm a huge Tom Waits fan. But I heard this song in Nashville at a, at a bluegrass jam at the station in, and uh, this this just group of people all got up and were just jamming, and this girl sang this song, and I just I wrote the lyrics in my phone because I was like I love that little line and the bit in the bridge and oh, it's so good, and when I googled it and it was a Tom Waits song, I there was so much guilt because I'm like I know that album I even. <laughs> I should know everything he's ever done because I love him that much. Um, So this is a new little one in my repertoire. And this is off Mule Variations. And it's called Picture in a Frame. Sun come up, it was blue and gold. 
Ever since I put your picture in a frame I come calling in my Sunday best I come calling in my Sunday best I come calling in my Sunday best ever since I put your picture in a frame since I put your picture in a frame I love you baby and I always will ever since I put your picture in a frame ever since I Put your picture in a frame ever since I put your picture in a frame. Thank you. Just as you playing the opening notes of that, I heard whispered from the audience, this is my favorite Tom Waits song. <laughs> <laughs> so that's perfect, perfect choice for the awesome. audience. I don't know how you did it. You read them somehow and it worked. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> um, so just before we go, do you have rad stuff coming up that you want to tell people about and that isn't yes. happening in the next eight days because that's how long it takes me to edit? Okay, well, um, we start a, a residency at the Yarra tomorrow. But we'll be playing there all month, every Thursday. And it's a bit of a new lineup for the band. We're actually having Benji move to pedal steel permanently. God, I'd love to be able to play the pedal steel. Oh, it's incredible. It and like he just... It's the thing that freaks me out is what's happening <laughs> below the belt. Uh -huh. I, I just had to say it. Um, because it looks totally still from the top. But I didn't realise there's knee levers and there's like... Knee and foot. It's called pedal steel because there's pedals. But there's knees as well. It's crazy. Um, so Benji's a bit of a master on that and he just got this new crazy um, double neck pedal steel while he was in Nashville. 
Um, oh, or in the States. I know, I know. He had all the money, apparently. Um, uh, and then, yeah, and then we've got Luke Richardson joining us on Double Bass, who's another, you know, kindred spirit. He's joined the Mean Reds recently, an absolute dude. Um, so that's coming up. And then we're also starting to look at writing and recording again for um, new album. So we're going to go into demo stage at the moment and spend a little bit more time thinking about sounds and things for the next record. Uh, but it's great because Josh has got a one of the studios at the Avery Complex. So we've kind of got this little space where we can go in and work. So I'm really excited about that process and workshopping some of the songs a bit more with the band because mostly I sort of bring them to the band as like, this is how it goes, no complaints. Um, so I really want to have a little bit more of their input on this album. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. Do you Are you sort of a prolific, like, do you write, like, 30 and then narrow it down or do you work up to an album's worth of songs? Um, my, my plan is to, to have – I've pretty much got an album's worth of songs at the moment, but I, I don't think that they're all going to be on there. So I want to sort of keep writing over the next four months and just workshop the ideas. I think um, the first album was definitely more of – I've written all of these songs over the last four or five years and, and you bring them together to make a first record. So when you go to make a second record, it's, it's, it's really only stuff you've written in the last 12 months. So it feels a lot more <coughs> condensed stylistically and I want to take a little bit of time with that. So, um, yeah, the plan is to, to keep writing and, and I want to spend a, a lot of time writing this summer. So, yeah, after the Nashville trip, it's, it's been a little... Just recovering from that would <laughs> be nice. <laughs> How do you get into the headspace to, to write that and focus there? Um, I actually find that I write a lot better when I'm busy. So oh, okay. I write a lot. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, if you try and talk to me on public transport, I'm trying to, I'm probably writing a song in, <laughs> in my head. Um, I, I tend to write a lot on the go. Yeah. If I sit down to try and write, I find it really hard. Um, but then again, I have had times where I've actually kind of gone away and, and sat myself in a room with recording gear and gone. But in that space, I tend to, like, look back on old demos or I sing a lot into my iPhone. It's another thing you might see me do on public transport. <laughs> Crazy woman in the corner going, and it goes, like that. Do you have an iPhone 4 that goes with it? Would you ever release them as like the B side? Like the B side, and it's like my worst nightmare. I remember, I remember when Jeff Buckley passed away, and they brought out this whole album of all his demos, and I was like, oh, that would just—that's mean. That's—they're not finished. You shouldn't do that. It's terrible. Ryan Adams did it, and there were like a thousand in each song. I know. With heavy metal and hip hop. Yeah. Crazy. And he beat. just cannot decide on a genre, so he's just all over the place, which I love about him. It's my favorite. Um, yeah, but Demolition, that's one of my favourite Ryan Adams albums and it was all just offcuts from gold. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Offcuts from gold, it's still gold. It's, it's still gold, exactly. Gold. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, speaking of gold, this has been a really fantastic conversation with you. Thanks so much for talking. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been really lovely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks, you guys, for coming out. It's really thank great. Thank you very much for listening to me gold. babble. <laughs> I know. Where do you all come from? Thanks for coming down. <laughs> cool. Can I get you your red, more red? Sure. <laughs> Do you want me to play some more? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah I'll play some more.
that's the show. Thanks for listening. The rest of Brooke's set, as well as a bunch of the other music we've recorded with the show, will go up on SoundCloud around Christmas. Say hi on Facebook and Twitter, and definitely come to a live show first Wednesday of every month at Sun Velvet Morning in Clifton Hill. Ciao. that I sort of overdid it with the, with the theatrics though I'm worried that I was like jumping around too much or whatever but but he was the one person on stage who'd just been like switched <laughs> just in one spot just like really rocking out rocking out of his own little world but to him in his head I think he'd been like looking off that yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it can be very different it can what, be. What the audience by the patch of shade neath the magnolia tree